Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Whitney. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Resource Room Podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you today a lot about paraprofessionals as well as just being a resource room teacher. So could you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself, what you teach, how long have you been at it? Let us know a little bit about you. All right. Well, first off, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Um, So my name is Whitney and I have been a resource classroom teacher for seven years now. And prior to becoming a teacher, I was a paraprofessional for three years. So that's kind of what made me want to become a teacher. I just fell in love with it. Loved it so much. I just decided to go back to school. So that's how it all began. That's good. And I'm sure your experience as a para has made you not only a better teacher, you know, serving students, but also just somebody who's easier to work with and who literally knows what it's like to do what they're doing every day. I'm sure that is so valuable for them. Yes, I just remember those feelings of being a paraprofessional, you know, sometimes going into a classroom being like, I have no clue what is expected of me, or I love going to this classroom because of this reason. So I remember those thoughts that I had and how it felt. And so I just try to be very mindful of that when working with paraprofessionals. Well, good. Well, let's dive right into some questions then about that. How do you utilize your paras? So many of us are stressed out. We have a a list a mile long of things to do and a well-trained professional would probably make that so much easier. So how do you use your paras? Yes, you are so right. So my paraprofessional, um, I've had her for a few years, but I think the biggest thing, like she is my lifesaver. Like I don't know what I would do without her. I just love her to death. And she's so good at what she does. I think a huge um, factor that goes into that is taking the time to really train your paraprofessional. So I feel like when you first hear that, you're like, oh, really? You mean with all the time we have in the world? Exactly. <laughs> when do we do that? <laughs> I know, but even if it's like come in before school or after school, I know for us, our contract hours are at 730, but kids don't show up until um, 745. Sometimes we don't see them till eight. So there is a little bit of time, I guess. So just really utilizing the time that you have to train your paraprofessional or stay a little bit after work. Does it kind of stink at the beginning? Sure. But is it going to make a world of a difference? Absolutely. And it's just completely worth it. So I agree. Yeah. And it does kind of suck sometimes to stay after school (laughs) for 15 minutes or fine. Even just for me now that my kids are a little older and in a lot of activities, finding the time to stay after is sometimes hard, but it's invaluable. It would be so amazing to see that that 15 minutes, how much of an impact that makes in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I mean, it honestly makes a difference. And it's not just for the teacher benefit, like my benefit to be like, oh, I'm going to train you so you can do this. It's also for the parent too. Like they want to feel confident in what they're doing. It's the worst feeling to be like, I 
think this is how you're supposed to do it. And then that moment as a parent being like, I don't want to ask if I'm doing this right. Like, I just feel so dumb or whatever the case. Like, I just remember that when I was a para. So just really taking the time to train them and then build them up along the way. So they're confident and just also taking the time to know what your para's skills are. If they're not the greatest with writing. Don't have them be <laughs> editing papers, you know? So really finding what their um, strengths are and just running with it. And two, sometimes going back to like being afraid to ask, if they've been doing that for six weeks, nine weeks, a whole semester, and it's been incorrect or wrong, they don't know what they don't know. They may not ask or they may be embarrassed to ask like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been doing for weeks. Is that even what I'm supposed to do? And then you don't even want to like tattle on yourself a little bit. So it would be hard, but just from the get-go, explaining what's needed is valuable. Right. I think just having that rapport with your um, pairs and your teachers, just really spending time to get to know them and make it just... I know as a teacher, I try to make my classroom essay spot for my students, but also just doing that for the other adults that you're working with. So having that open dialogue and even as a teacher, if I make a mistake or I'm like, oh, I really explained that wrong or whatever, <laughs> just having those moments, like we're all human. So taking those moments and, you know, just learning from it. Because we do explain things either poorly or not at all. You just assume that they know what to do. It happens. Yes. Um, so what kinds of things do you have them do on a day-to-day -day basis? What are your paraprofessionals doing to help you with your teaching and to make things easier? I think a lot of it for me. So of course I have my pair like, oh, she'll make copies for me. She'll shred my paper, you know, those types of things. But I think the bigger things that make just the hugest difference for me and my pair just loves it is collecting some of the data for me. She doesn't do all of it for me, but there's some that just take a little more extra time that I'm like, oh, could you really just do this for me? So even if some of my kids have a goal of reading the first 350 sight words <laughs> or oh, the first gosh. 100 sight words, you know, it's a little time it's consuming. Time consuming. <laughs> so she goes and does that with them. So um, she'll do that. We have little reading assessments. She'll do it and ask them the questions and she'll like write down all the data and do the math and she'll write notes all over it where I know exactly the picture that happened. So of course, I'm working with the student too, and I know where they're at, but she's doing the assessments to um, just have, I don't know, just have that data of what we've been working on. So that helps me out big time. But I think the big thing with going, with having your para collect the data for you is having those realistic, realistic expectations. Like, hey, instead of being like, hey, here's 50 students, I need it by tomorrow, you know, just really um, planning ahead, I think is a big one. So I give my para like, hey, this student needs a fourth grade reading passage. This one needs a third grade. This one needs a fifth grade. And so she has a little calendar and she writes it all down. I tell her how many I need and she gets it done. And so I just think it's just really nice to have that reliable person. So if you don't have that, you know, just figuring out that system that works for you and your para, but that's one thing that works out really well for me and my para is just, she does a lot of that data for me. I was literally, it's funny that you say the 300 sight words, because that's literally <laughs> the example I was thinking of, you know, like I can easily assess kids on how many words can you decode? Cause even I can give you five or 10 words. I can tell what you can or can't do, but I use Dolch sight words and that's smaller than like fry or something where you're dealing with hundreds. But I still, it takes time, especially depending on the student, 
to go through pre-primer or primer words. It just takes time. That's a valuable thing that your parent could do for you and save time. And just even talking, having conversations about what is fluency. You can't sit there and stretch out the word. You can't sit there and do all these, you know, find other strategies. You've got to really be able to know it within three seconds. Say what you're wanting to say, or you don't know it. And that's okay. Those are just words that we're going to practice. So exactly. Yeah. So she is so well with that. My other um, coworkers will sometimes use her for that as well. So she's just one of those people. You're like, you're so reliable with that. We've taught you how to do it. Even those little things of teaching the para, like, um, all right, so you can't give them hints. You can't, right. you can't do it way. You, I, we have to lay it out exactly how, and then even kind of role playing with it to have her practice it. So those are just, um, it, it takes time to do, but it's so valuable. So she also, we all have a, um, reading groups that we do. So we use the Sunday reading program. I don't know if others use that. that. Mm -hmm. I love it. So we break off into all these different, um, groups depending on what level the students are at. And so we've taken time to train her on how to use that. And so she runs her own group. And I know back when I was a parent, I loved having my own group. (laughs) Like it was, it was awesome to be like, wow, they trust me with it. I kind of feel like a teacher doing this. So I just loved it. And so she does that as well for us. And it's, amazing to have that. And the kids love her. So, um, I was just talking to one of our assistants at school the other day. She said, you know, I will push in, I will go help. I'll do whatever you guys tell me. She works with a different grade level than, than me, but she's like, I'll do whatever's needed. And she said, but nothing beats sitting at this table and seeing kids go from not knowing, you know, these sight words or how to decode that to one day being like, they just read a sentence or they just read a paragraph. And so that's literally what we love as teachers, giving them that ability and training them to do so. You wouldn't want to just throw them in and expect them to do it, but that's what they're showing up every day for as well. And so let's give them that opportunity too. I love that you said that. I was thinking the same thing. Like that's such a rewarding part of our job. Allow them to have that opportunity to have that same reward as well. And so come and be like, look what they did. <laughs> look at the progress. I'm like, I know. And so she gets excited. I get excited. And we're like, we're a great team. This is amazing. Yes. Yeah. And share that feeling so that even on the hard days or during the boring times where you do have to just push in or you do have to help in a teacher's room, that's a little more difficult. At least you have that rewarding time where it's it's good and it feel it, you know, warms your heart. That's what yeah. we want. Yeah, she'll also push into the classrooms too, like you were kind of talking about pushing in and helping in, helping out and um, checking in with the students. And like, all right, so you're helping this student, but don't hover, you know, <laughs> walk around. So again, just kind of training them and having those conversations. Oh. Um, earlier you had mentioned that she might, you know, you might tell her, okay, we need a third grade passage, a fifth grade passage, whatever. And she kind of plots it out on her calendar. Is that something, are you finding those or a a tool that you are already using and she just goes to search it out? Or is that something you're giving her and she knows these five students read the second grade passage? What does that look like? Yeah. So I give her everything. I want to, of course, um, when I receive the data, I need it to be, um, 
exactly what it needs to be to be <laughs> legit and valid in the IEP. So yes, I've given her everything. So when I say, oh, it's a third grade, she knows exactly which third grade passage I'm talking about. She knows I tell her I need this data this many times because that's what the IEP says. Of course, if she can do it more, great. If not, it's fine. I just need this minimum amount. So, <laughs> so she knows exactly. And sometimes I'm like, all right, it's a multisyllabic words. I give it all to her. So Anything that she's been using, I've not only given her, but trained her on how to do it. That's good. That's wonderful. And really just maximizes time all the way around because I'm sure that's valuable for her too, to see that progress, just like it would be for us as teachers. We can look and say, oh man, they're really not making a lot of progress or look, we, you know, this, this time that we're spending every day really is valuable. That's good for her too, even though ultimately it's going into your hands for the IEP. Yes, exactly. Um, so what do you feel like you do differently with your paras? Do you just have one or do you have multiple? So right now I just have one. I've had um, others in the past or sometimes. So we have on this campus right now, we have three resource teachers. We used to have four, um, but we have three and then we each have our own para. So uh, we'll work with other pairs depending like what subject or what we're kind of doing. But I technically have just one that's uh -huh. I'm working with. So yeah, just one. Yeah, that's kind of our setup as well. Like where there are three teachers. One is because of a grant. So I don't know how long that'll last, but I'm going to soak up every minute of it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and then we each have our own para as well. So that, that way, um, you know, our targeted grade levels have one teacher, one paraprofessional. Um, so Going back, I, I kind of skipped ahead asking how many you had, but then how do you use her? What does her day look like? Even maybe a percentage of what is push in versus pull out. What does her day look like? So she doesn't have a whole lot of push in. She has a lot of check-ins with different students. Oh, I guess, yeah, it's push-in, but it's more a lot of just, like, check-ins. Not necessarily she's staying in the classroom for um, too long, just with one student right now, I think, is she's really pushing in. And the rest of it is the Sunday reading group. So she does that with us first thing in the morning. And then there's another student who is um, just on a whole other level by himself. And so she's working one-on-one -on -one with him. So she does that. And then she does a lot of my data. So Good. um at our school, we also have uh, some self-contained classrooms here, too. I, we have four of them. And so they have some pairs. And as you know, <laughs> teachers are really short-staffed. So she'll go down and help um, them as well. Oh, sorry, I said down. Like, I'm upstairs. They're downstairs. So <laughs> she'll go down and help them. Uh, um, and she'll take some of the students to specials and stuff like that. So she, she honestly, she does it all. So <laughs> That's good. She sounds wonderful. Um, yeah. So... Do you guys ever switch? Like if she has her group and you have your group going in at the same time, do you ever mix it up so that like you know and see those students? Do you see those students at another time? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, that's a great question. So we every um, we discuss it all the time and we do like mix up the groups and the students. So sometimes like, oh, they're moving this level over here, over here. So we'll We'll uh, swap it up quite a bit. And then I also see them throughout the week, too, for, like, reading comprehension and other skills. And whenever we are doing that Sunday reading program, I'm in the same room as her. So I see what she's doing and who she's working with and then all her data and everything. So I feel like I have a good idea of where they're all at. So some of my students are with a different teacher. Some of my students are with her as a para. So they're all just mixed up. That's good. And really then you 
you know what's going on. You have a good pulse on it because I worry I would be such a control freak. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, no, I need to see them every single day. These are my kids. I want, you know, or that accountability. And um, my paraprofessional right now is a retired teacher. She is fabulous. Like I could not have asked for a better para. So I don't know why I can't, why am I not using her like you're using yours? Cause she would be perfect at that. Uh, yeah. you. That's an amazing setup you have. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, at first my principal, she subbed at our school for quite a while. And so one day, um, after another assistant had put in, you know, that she was going to retire, he said, how do you feel about so-and-so? And I'm like, yes, yes, whatever you need. Yes. And so <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. As long as you're sure. I'm like, yes, do it. And she, she's wonderful. Literally every room she pushes into the teachers love her because it is, it's literally, you have a second teacher yeah. in that room. Yeah. That's amazing. Yes. I think the biggest thing is kind of what you were saying is just um, letting go and trusting, like trusting that you've trained that person, trusting that they know what they're doing. Um, I think that's can be the hardest thing, but if you can just do it, then it's just so like, oh, one less thing off my plate. And just yeah. I for even when I have student teachers, I have felt that way. So I have um, a parent right now. And then I also have a student teacher. Last semester, I had two student teachers. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, there's more adults in this classroom sometimes than students. <laughs> but I kind of it was the same thing, like when they worked with them. And so I just had this like little sheet that I was like, all right, write down what you're working on. And then what happened in that session with you? So I would go through and read all those notes. The other thing that we do is after they're working in that group, we have a minute just to discuss, okay, so what happened? How are they doing with this? What are you teaching them? Like, what are you focusing on with this thing that they're struggling with? So we just have that, those conversations all the time so that we can both be supporting each other. Which is good because that's really, you're coaching them. You're guiding them. You're not saying you did this wrong. You need to work on this. It's no, you're really asking those probing questions to guide them to to notice and reflect on some of that. That's good. Yeah, I just, my big thing is just to empower them. I had a, when I was at Para, the teacher that I worked with, I felt like she, whether she realized it or not, she was completely empowering me. So she would oh, good. Teach, me, yeah, teach me all sorts of stuff that I was like, oh my goodness, I think I could actually do this thing. So, <laughs> so that's here you are, you're doing I, it. I so I hope I'm that same way to my parents. So I think just empowering them and just letting them flourish and you're right before your eyes. So that's, that's my thought. <laughs> That's good. Yes. Um, how do you help them grow? You said you want to help them flourish. How do you do that? Giving them feedback, good training. What other things would you recommend to other resource room teachers to really help their paras grow? Yeah, my para is, um, honestly, she's been here for years and she's amazing and I trust what she does. So she's, I guess, essentially proven it over the years that she um, can do what we're asking her with validity. And so we've given her opportunities like, Hey, there's this new para. Will you train her on how to do this? So we'll let her do it. And then we also kind of follow it behind just to, just to make sure it's all been, um, discussed and gone over, but we give her that opportunity to do that. So, and then just allowing her free reign. So I don't micromanage her at all. I think that's another big thing that can be kind of, um, people don't always work well when they're micromanaged. I know I wouldn't. So exactly. just kind of giving her free reign. Like I, when I say, Hey, I need this done. I see her putting it away, going into her calendar, marking it down. Like she's never done anything where I'm like, man, 
uh, you're really not getting this job done. So, but I think with that being said, as the teacher giving those expectations and when I say, hey, can you get this done? Give her that time frame and a realistic time frame. Do you know what I mean? And I know some people are like, well, yeah, duh, but people don't always do that. So, and it can be really frustrating to a para to, or anybody to have that person come back and be like, never mind, I'll just do it. And you're like, whoa, wait, what happened? So even those little things like that, just really um, empowering them, trusting them, but also as the teacher doing your part as well. So, and then when working with a para, just being really prepared <laughs> and- I- I also think I'm glad you used that word prepared. That's literally what I was just thinking is you can't do that if you're a mess yourself or if you don't know what you're wanting. I I remember in high school, actually, somebody, it was one of my teachers. She said, a con- an emergency on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. And we have to remember that with our parents too. If you have a conference tomorrow that you're not prepared for, that's not them. That's not, you know, so even just having things that are well planned out, you know, what's going on. They know how they can help you between now and that date is probably a big, big part of that success. Yeah, it's huge. So I remember as a parent walking into some classrooms and I'm like, what is my role here? Like, I am just sitting here and then I'd be worried like, oh my goodness, they're going to think I'm doing nothing, but what am I supposed to be doing? Or someone just keeps taking control and you're like, well, what? I don't know. You just want that. You want to be valued. You want to be utilized. And so, yeah, just being prepared and um, yeah, as the para. So sometimes it can be tough when you're going into maybe a gen ed teacher's classroom, knowing what your role is there. And then it could be totally different in a different setting, in a different gen ed teacher. So it's really um, interesting <laughs> the different classrooms they have to go into and just different expectations that those teachers have. So just really everyone being on the same page and having those open um, conversations really goes a long way. And it can uh, alleviate a lot of frustration, I guess, on the, many people's ends, you know. Yeah, definitely. How do you stay organized, managing yourself and being prepared and organized for her? How does that, what does that look like for you or how does that work? We've done it for so long. So um, I know what her strengths are and her strengths is uh, reading. So that's a big part that I have her help me out with. So whether it's small groups. So If we have um, small groups, I'll give her the group that I know that she is confident in, she's trained in. So if we do a lot of small groups, I also have a student teacher. And so her thing is math. And so when we have math groups, she'll get the other part of the math kids. So um, I just know you just have to know what their strengths are. And so it's a lot of just the small groups. And then a lot of the time she might not even be in my classroom. She's out of the classroom. So while I have my students in here with my student teacher, she's in the gen ed classroom supporting the other students or pulling them out, just doing a quick one minute little data thing with them and and sending them back in. So honestly, she's not in here a whole lot, but when she is, she's doing like a small group with whatever, like mostly reading subjects that we're doing. Um, Do you have any daily routines or things that you do on a regular basis to really help make your job easier? As far as with my para? <laughs> in, in general, even think just as a resource room teacher, if you did X every single day, it would make something easier. Do you have any tips or things that might help? So I'm kind of blessed to have, well, we have a modified year-round school um, calendar out here in Arizona. So 
we the kids go to school Monday through Friday, but on Wednesdays it's a half day. So they leave at one o'clock. And so we get um time to do paperwork or whatever else. So that's honestly a huge time that her and I will kind of plan and do stuff together. Every morning is when we have our Sunday reading group and then we can um, discuss it. So in her schedule, one thing that's been really helpful and because I know the value of it, we've made sure to put it into her um, schedule is just those times where her and I can just talk. So um, just talk about where the students are at, if she's concerned about anything, if she's not sure about anything. I go over some of the data that she has. So just those types of things. So I think just the checking in, I think it would be really tough if I didn't check in with her and yeah. went weeks without, um, I don't know, just having those conversations. It would be really tough. So I think just really checking in and seeing how she's doing and where she's at and if she has any concerns or questions with the student's progress or anything, really. So we just have a lot of check-ins, to be honest. I think that is an incredibly valuable tip because right now during my prep time is a time where she is waiting on a student, like just, you know, a transition. Every day my parent is reporting in on things that I need to know that she's observed or, hey, they were doing this. Is that okay? Is that what you wanted? Just those check-in type topics. And it's during my prep. And so I feel sometimes I'm like, I was probably so rude to her because <laughs> I'm trying to write an IEP or I'm trying to focus on this or whatever. And she's telling me information I need. I need to listen, but it's also like, oh my gosh, I have like 20 minutes, you know, let me work on this. So it is a really hard thing to balance. And I need all of that information, but maybe having a different time to check in would really just make things easier. Yeah. And for our lunches, it just kind of works out. So when I have my lunch, that time of my lunch is because both of the grade levels that I service are either at specials, recess, lunch. So I can't even go see them anyways. So her and I have lunch at the same time. And it's actually ended up being that way for for years now. And that's just a time that we chat. And sometimes if I'm like running around, it doesn't happen. But for the most part, her desk is literally right next to mine. They're kind of like a little L shape. And we talk and it's not about work stuff. It's about life and what's going on. And hey, how's your husband? How are your kids? How's your grandkids? And so it's just talking. And so it's also valuable to have that too. So if there's something going on in her life, I can be like, oh, you know what? She has this going on. And um, just being mindful, like it's it's tough, you know, we're all humans. We all have stuff going on and um, just being mindful of what else could be happening out, outside these four walls, you know? Yeah. That's a lot of our lunch time. You know, we do our lunch overlaps for about 20 minutes. And so that is what we talk about at lunch a lot, but then it's, Sometimes we keep the kids out of it. You know, we also have other kids in the room in other groups while we're sitting there eating lunch. So you <laughs> don't always talk about other kids. So um, it is hard, but I think that that's a good, easy to implement thing is just having time to kind of touch base with your person so that you're in the loop and they're in the loop. You know, that communication goes both ways. Yeah, we'll like leave just little notes on each other's desk. If she's not here and I'm like, oh, I need her to do this. I'll just put a little sticky note on her desk. Um, just our school has, they're called like little wow meetings and we can like wow somebody. And so I just make sure to do that for her every once in a while, you know, or like, I don't know, just leave a sweet note on her desk. It doesn't, anytime I leave a note, she probably knows, oh, she needs me to go do something. But sometimes the note just be like, I really appreciate you, girl. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'll do without you. So um just that part of that relationship and building trust and just having that good relationship. So I'm, I think that goes a long way too. 
What mistake do you see other resource room teachers making like in the way that they're utilizing their paras? I think that what I see is um, just sometimes uh, teachers can be so stressed. Obviously, right now, it's really, really stressful. But sometimes I look at it, I'm like, you got you to gotta start delegating. You got to start delegating right. the work and not um, hanging on to all of it and delegating it and just trusting that they're going to get it done. Um, obviously, if, if you don't, you need to like check up on them and stuff like that. But it goes back to that training and then just trusting them. I feel like if you can trust them with this little bit and they prove it, then give them a little bit more and see, see if it helps you. So, and I think that for me, it's the data, like, honestly, as a, as a special ed teacher, you know, like day to day to day so much. And yeah, so I, I think sometimes the biggest mistake I see is just not delegating that work when, when you're stressed out, if you're that person that hangs on to everything, you got to start delegating it. And maybe even that starts with like making a list of very simple, simple things that they could do. You are obviously intelligent enough to show up on, you know, at work every day on time. You can handle making copies of this or you can handle asking a child to, you know, identify letters or read some sight words or things like that. They're fully capable but we have to give them the opportunity. And so maybe it starts with making a list of what could they do. And we can't give it all at once, but starting with what's one thing. And like you said, let, you know, let them see how they can do and build some trust and then start turning more things over. Honestly, That's what I need yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll just help. We're all notes to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, we've all been there. I remember at the beginning, like my first year, I was like, I just have to do it all because I have, I don't know. So I get it. I totally get it. But now that I've been doing it, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's, it's one, le- it's so much easier. It's so much easier just to delegate it and they feel valued. You do value them and you're less stressed and they're more than capable. So. Definitely. I also do a little training online. And one of the things that we do is like, you know, schedule time to do all the things that we need to do. And that starts with making a list of all the things that you do. And we always talk about like, oh my God, no wonder I am so stressed out because when you put it all on paper, you start seeing all the things you have to do. And we do even the little things like checking in with students, getting a kid off the bus, doing all these things that takes so much of our time. Even honestly, for me to like scan and submit a signature page is probably a five minute process. Don't walk to the copier, scan it. It emails it to me. So then I walk back to my desk. Then you, I, there's a certain way that we save them then to email it to the special ed secretary. There's five minutes. And when you start to think about all those things, it's like, well, no wonder I'm walking around like a crazy woman all day because yeah. of all the things you do. It's like but a we, ton of little things that just yeah. add <laughs> yes, and none of it is that hard or difficult, but what could we get off of our plate that would empower and really just, our assistants are capable of doing it. Yeah, and just little things like that I noticed that I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you, is my room gets vacuumed every Monday, and we have to stack chairs, and when I'm like busy, and I'm like in the middle of an IEP, and I'm in the zone, I look up, and she's doing it, I'm like, oh. Thank You're you wonderful. Because so yeah, it's the end of the day. I'm trying to finish this IP. I want to go home. And it's just so nice. Like, it's just a, oh, one last thing. Thank you so much. And you 
have all my pencils sharpened and the desks are clear, cleaned off and everything's back to being organized. It goes a long way. Like it's so nice. So honestly, those are things, you know, five minutes to do this, five minutes to do that, but she already has it done. That's just 10 minutes later that or earlier that you get to leave where if you have kids that you're running around or other obligations after school, that 10 minutes matters or adds up. If you have five things you need to do, now you're staying after school, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Yes. No, you know, nobody wants that. So, yeah. so yeah. good. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, the trash cans have to be moved out into the hall on this day. And then she does it. I'm like, Good. Thank you. Like, it's just, you're right. It's those just little things and they add up. Yeah. And even somebody else to double check, because if she does forget, because we do, uh, we had two weeks after Christmas break of four day weeks. And I don't think I knew what day of the week it was the whole time. Even on days like that, like, oh yeah, it is Tuesday. Somebody else to double check, like, did the trash cans get put out in the hallway? Or it's Monday, the chairs need stacked, those types of things. So we can't all be perfect all the time. And if you've got somebody else who's in the loop, they're just double checking you. Yes. I'm like, that, that's where the whole like, hey, it takes a village. <laughs> like, it does. For it sure. Really <laughs> yes, for sure. So my last question for you is just a silly one. Do you okay. have an embarrassing teacher story that you would be willing <laughs> to share on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I literally um, was just talking to somebody about this the other day. It was actually... Um, back when I was a para though, and it's so, um, it's just ridiculous. I don't know. So this, uh, <laughs> uh, I was not prepared for this question. So it's funny that I was just talking about this the <laughs> other day. So, um, I was a para and shoot, I'm probably like, I don't know, like 20 something, like young twenties. I don't know. And I'm a para and <laughs> I took this, um, I would always take this girl to library, just like a sixth grader. And we were in library. And of course, it's quiet. The teacher's reading a book. And this girl was a quiet, she was really quiet, very shy, cute girl. And out of nowhere, she farts like the loudest <laughs> fart ever. And I was like, oh my gosh. And everybody turned and looked at her. Her face was And I am like a people pleaser. <laughs> like, oh, I just need everybody to be, be good. And I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about it. I immediately was like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. And oh, my gosh. <laughs> I took the, the blame for it. She looked at me. I looked at her. The kids looked at, like, the gen ed kids that had turned around, they looked at me like, what in the world? And I was just like, I, I equally have no clue what just happened. <laughs> I went back to the gen ed teacher or to the um, teacher, the uh, teacher that I was working for. And I was like, you will not believe what happened in my <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like funny. you were a brave woman. If you will take credit for a fart <laughs> that you didn't do. Well, thank goodness they're like sixth graders. They're not in campus anymore. Yep, I don't see gone. them. 
<laughs> yeah, but I'm always like, I wonder if that girl remembers that moment. The funny part is I wonder if they're, you know, like seniors in high school now and are like, do you remember that weird assistant or that weird lady who farted in library? Like, imagine what they say. <laughs> imagine if one of them ends up being my student teacher. Oh my gosh, that would be priceless. <laughs> Perfect. So bad. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, what are you going to do? You know what? It happens. And you know what? She, that student who did really fart, better be grateful <laughs> that you, you stood up and said it was you or, you know, you took the gosh. credit for it. <laughs> yeah. I just, I didn't know what to do. It honestly just came out. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. My bad. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh gosh. Well, Whitney, you also have a TPT shop. You're on Instagram. Could you tell my listeners where to find you after listening to this? Because I know they're going to want to find you. Where can <laughs> they find you? And what are they going to find when they get there? Okay, so I am on Instagram. You can find me under Rooted in Resource. I also have a TPT store. All of it's Rooted in Resource. So TPT, Rooted in Resource. I have a lot of social skills, like cards and stuff is my, um, I guess, big seller. But you'll a lot of the social skills. And then I also have a Facebook group that I just started. It's private. You can ask any question. And it's like a big support group. So you can find me on Facebook, TPT. Instagram. I even have a Pinterest. (laughs) Well, good, good. And I am sure they're going to want to just to see what wonderful things you're doing. Your Instagram really, I scrolled and scrolled the other day, just checking you out and all of the things. I am, I think I'm too old for Instagram. I just can't get on board. I can't do it. So um, then when I have people coming on the podcast, Everybody else knows them except for me because I am not on Instagram. I mean, I am, but not regularly. So, but your Instagram was so full of valuable tips and and all kinds of things. So I highly encourage listeners to go check you out on Instagram. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, and thank you so much for being here. I've loved talking with you and I appreciate you taking time to be here with me. Hey, this was such a blast. We should do it again. I had so much fun. I agree. Actually, every single interview that I've done, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love, I love talking to you. And it's not even fake. I literally think I could sit and talk about special ed all day with anybody who wants to talk to me. So (laughs) we could probably share embarrassing stories back and forth. Oh my gosh, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for being here. And I hope to talk to you soon on the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.